Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. So it's 4.20, and I'm pretty excited about the guest we have on this week's show. I want to get my own pot, okay? I'm not going to be, like, holding my mommy's hand while I buy drugs. Like, I can do this. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to be a grown-ass woman and do my taxes for once without my mommy and daddy. <laughs> got the bitch. I'm going to call some old college buds, bunch of weed heads. Hit them up. I'm going to get those taxes did. I'll hop on the Q18, catch the N, and then transfer to the R and get home in a tight 95 because the G ain't running. Um, but it was because someone jumped on the tracks to kill themselves. So it was really sad. Love you, bitch. It really is sad. Four and three and two and one, one. This is The Last Laugh. I'm Matt Wilstein from The Daily Beast, and that was my guest on today's show, Abby Jacobson, with her partner in crime, Alana Glazer, on one of my all-time favorite shows, Broad City. Since Broad City ended its five-season run in 2019, Abby has been on quite a journey. She's written a fantastic book of personal essays and drawings called I Might Regret This, and can soon be seen starring in the new version of A League of Their Own on Amazon Prime Video. This month, she is lending her voice to a really fun new animated movie on Netflix called The Mitchells vs. the Machines, in which one dysfunctional family tries to save the world from the robot apocalypse. I have just been a huge fan of Abby's for so long, so I tried not to embarrass myself too much, and I think we ended up having a really great conversation. So let's go to that now. Here's me with Abby Jacobson. All right. Well, I am so excited to have you on the show. Um, I'm trying to balance two things because on the one hand, I believe this episode will be coming out on 420 next week um, when people are hearing this. And But on the other hand, I know you're promoting a children's movie. So I, hopefully we can balance those the two things. The difficult line to, to balance here. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, but uh, but yeah, I'm I'm just I'm such a big fan of yours, and I don't know if you remember this. We actually met uh, a few years ago at Clusterfest um, when you were doing the. You, um, you look so from in in San Fran. Yeah, in San Francisco, um, I was up there for that festival when you and Alana were doing the Wayne's World live read, which was a lot of fun, um, and premiering the episode. I think the first episode that you directed uh, premiered that day as well, or, or that weekend. Yes. Oh my goodness. I don't remember which episode premiered. It was the, uh, it was the witches episode with the, Oh my goodness. Yes. With a lot of the Trump stuff. And there, there was a really, really fun episode. So yeah, there was then the Wayne's world live read was, was fantastic. I think that was some, some, some really inspired casting in that. That was one of the, my favorite things I've ever done. And I got to do Garth. <laughs> I forgot about that. That festival, I mean, I, I hope festivals come back. That was that's such a fun part of the year going to a thing like that and getting to getting to perform is one thing which I miss so much but getting to 
go to shows and see other people. It's just such a specific world of like a weekend fest. Or I mean, I guess they're not just weekends, but I was sort of always there for the weekend. But yeah, the, and the and they were Clusterfest was always into doing the the readings, which was brilliant. Yeah, did they they came to you guys and said, are you, did they did they propose Wayne's World or was that your choice or that was. I, I think they might have given us two options and we were <laughs> obviously we are like, yeah, we're doing Wayne's World. I think Cluster Fest is run by Comedy Central, correct me if I'm wrong. So that was they they kind of knew our our wheelhouse there. Um, but it was so fun to get to sort of recreate that film. Yeah, and we had a bunch, we had Chris Gethard, who else? Naomi Akparagan, Tig, Nataro. And then Tia Carrera came back yes. to, to, oh uh, my to recreate her <laughs> right. role which was pretty amazing. It was incredible. Yeah. That's I've always thought that Wayne's World was kind of like the ultimate stoner movie in which no one smokes weed in the movie, but it's still it's like kind of as if they're high the whole time. It is like they're high the whole time, but it was kind of it's interesting they never smoked. It is very weird. I think it's it was it's it was very drug. Yeah. It was very like kid safe. It's like yeah. so you could watch it as a kid and you're not thinking about that at all, but then when you watch it as an adult you're like, well, I think maybe something else is going on here. Yeah, I always loved the as a kid, I remember the the licorice right here in the car. <laughs> yeah. It was like wound the up. The dispenser, yeah. 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 <laughs> That's so good. So yeah, I want to I want to get to you know some of the other part of your career and uh, Broad City and all that, but uh, we can start with uh, the Mitchells versus the Machines, which is this new movie that's super fun that I got to see um, a few days ago. That's going to be on Netflix. I mean, you've been doing a lot of animation in the last few years, which has ended up being well timed, I think, because animation is one of the things that's really been able to My thrive goodness. during this past year. Um, so how did you uh, how did you get into the animation world, and what do you what do you enjoy about it? You know, I. I got in it. I think the first couple of things I did were some voiceovers for commercials. And I, I, truly, it was never something I thought about coming up in comedy, my voice in that way. I think sort of just like this whole career path, it was not something as that I thought was ever a possibility. So I never really thought about, oh, I'm going to voice animation. <laughs> like that would just, is so outside, my, was so outside my, my realm of like reality. But yeah, I start. I did this show called Pickle and Peanut. I think that might've been the first show I did. Well, I, I, I missed so that fun. one. It was it was a smaller show and it was so fun and and just getting and those a couple commercials and just getting in the booth and getting to you know it, it's almost like focusing on one aspect of acting so even though I'm in the booth using my body it's sort of like oh how can I funnel it down to just my voice and sort of get all the emotions and everything out that I want to convey and I'm still trying to get better at that but. Yeah, I did that. I did the Lego Ninjago movie a couple years ago, which was huge for me and was this big ensemble like this this film and was so fun. And also uh, Lord and Miller, yeah. Yeah, which was so fun. And that's how I sort of like got in their sort of world. I had met them before. And I mean, I've done D Disenchantment for years now. Disenchantment on Netflix is, has been out for three years, which is, I mean, <laughs> talk about a dream job too. The voiceovers have just been really incredible. And I've been so lucky because I get to work really closely with the creators and the directors, whether it's on Zoom or in person in the before times. Um, just people that have been doing this forever at the top of the, the game, sort of directing me and has, has helped me become such a better voice actor, I think. But when this came about, 
this, I, I just kind of couldn't believe I got this. I mean, you saw it. It's so good. I, I only saw the full thing recently. Every family has its challenges. We haven't had a good family picture in years because you two are always arguing. For my family, our greatest challenge... Probably the robot apocalypse. So there's this whole like robot apocalypse, you know, aspect to it, which I thought was interesting too. kind of it's just because our brains are so like broken by COVID, but it felt like it was this kind of stand in for that and for the pandemic in a little way for me when I was watching it, because it's sort of about, you know, this, you play this girl who's about to go off to college and her whole life gets upended. And it's, it's actually has this weird parallel. to I think what a lot of people that age are probably going through right now. Wow. I hadn't thought about it like that because we've been making it for a, lo- a long time before that. I mean, I'm sure that was not the intention but that's how I received it, yeah. And a big theme of the movie is sort of like finding your people, I think. And so she's just just desperate to find her people. And I think I'm sure all of us now are like all those other things we do that are away from home, we kind of think are like, that's us really finding our people. And in so many ways it is, but the core of the movie is sort of about, well, your people are also if you're lucky, your family or your chosen family. And uh, that's a big thing. That's just a big lesson and a, a big realization, I think, that she comes to. And I think that a lot of us have come to during COVID, which is like, okay, who is important here? <laughs> yeah. And everything what else gets kind of cut out. Yeah. Yeah. When you're when you're doing a project like this, which is, you know, it's for, it's it is geared towards kids, but it's really anyone can enjoy it. Do you feel like you're able to inject some of your sense of humor into it, whether it's, I don't know if there's any element of improvisation or even just, you know, the way you play it? Um, do you feel like you're you're able to to be creative in that way in, in a project like this? Yeah, definitely. I mean, Mike Rianda, the director and writer, was so open to that sort of collaboration and that sort of improv when we were doing all the recordings. Yeah. And I really relate to Katie in a lot of ways. So I felt you know, obviously I have to tone down the language. I have a tendency to (laughs) curse a lot if you've seen Broad City and just in my daily life, almost when I'm recording this kind of stuff is when I realize how foul my language is because I'm like, whoa. When you you start to improv, you you automatically go there. Mike is like, Mike and I were like, okay, this is not that movie. We'll make that movie like another time. But (laughs) no, once you kind of shift into like, right, this 18 year old, she's kind of like an, a little bit of a sheltered, innocent 18 too. Uh, and so, yeah, it's tapping into a different way of, of improvising. Uh, and yeah, they really let me kind of go, but I mean, the, the, it was written, it was so funny to begin with. I don't even think I had to do that much to get there, but yeah, they always, they always sort of let me try something if I wanted to, which, which makes it so fun. Yeah. So I want to kind of go back to uh, speaking of improv, your early days at uh, UCB and and all of that. What was UCB like when you when you got there at the beginning, um, when you were in New York and, and just starting out? What was what were sort of your your first impressions of that scene? Yeah. So I started I went there in 2006 one night because my roommate at the time, I was going to this acting school called Atlantic, this theater conservatory and I hated it. I was <laughs> devastated. Like I moved to New York to go there and I I felt like I'd made a really bad decision and I couldn't do it. I just, I was like, maybe I shouldn't be an actor. My roommate at the time who had gone to school with me, gone to college with me, and I'd done a lot of video work in college. She said, you know, 
you got to go to this place, the UCB. Like, I think that you, I just, I don't know why, but I think that you would love it. It reminds me of your videos. And I... I remember being, I was just so sad about the Atlantic and I went by myself to the UCB one night (laughs) and I don't know what show I saw. And I just remember sitting there in complete awe of what was happening. And it was like, I've got, I just got chills right now because it was this, (laughs) you know, there's, there's a lot of moments like that, but but also not like it was a defining moment where I, it was just experiencing a whole new thing. And I was just like, I want to do what they're doing. I don't know. I don't know what they're doing exactly, but I want to do it. And it was, it was the 26th street, Chelsea UCB theater, which is a basement of a Gristiti supermarket, really dingy, dirty vibes. I'm familiar. I'm, I'm very well, well familiar with it. And yeah. it just, the energy was unlike anything I'd ever been a part of. And I just wanted to be on stage in there. And then I just sort of, I quit Atlantic and started taking classes and started going there almost constantly. And so it was just this place. And then I would see, you would see people that I'd be watching on stage. I'd see them in commercials or I'd see them like in little bit parts in movies. And I started taking classes and Zach Woods was my first teacher. That's Improv 101. (laughs) And then I'm like, oh my God, my teacher is in like this thing, you know, like it was just this excitement and this want and yearning to be better at this thing. And a lot of improv for me was tied up in confidence again, which I had a problem with like even stepping off the back wall, being confident that what I am going to put out on stage matters or is funny or is good enough. And yeah, it was just this really electric time for me, like went back there for a second. Was it pretty quickly that you met Alana Glazer there? Yeah. So I met Alana um you know when you start there you you everyone sort of forms these practice groups because the the house teams are really hard to get onto and so you form these practice groups and there's all these other little black box theaters all over town that the practice groups like like indie improv teams would perform at and you kind of you rent the theater for the night and there's like four teams that perform and so i was doing a lot of practice groups and ended up on this improv team probably in 2007 and I was on it for like two weeks. And then I remember my friend Tim was like, hey, I want to bring this brother and sister that I, that were in one of my classes. Do you guys mind? And we were like, yeah. And she, Alana and her brother, Elliot, who has been on, been on Broad City and wrote on Broad City, showed up. And I truly, I mean, I write about this a lot in my book, but I thought... I thought Alana was was on Arrested Development. I thought she was uh, yeah. Ali <laughs> for that whole practice because they look very much alike. And I didn't know something Ali's... you guys used in the show, uh, by the way. <laughs> exactly, we ended up, which was so full circle having Alia, but it's also hilarious. We have them like hook up. <laughs> But but I really thought that it was her. I didn't know Alia's real name. And then we went to McManus, which is the UCB bar afterwards. And then and then I realized it wasn't her. <laughs> I was like, this is not, this is not the the TV star. Um, and we were just immediately friends. First night we met, like at the bar, we sat on this little, there's like a little corner uh, uh, in the middle of the bar. We sat there and just, she made me laugh in a way I, I don't remember having left. She was so different than anyone I was friends with. And it was really cool. In the last season of the show, we shot this <laughs> crazy cold open where we're kind of mimicking the bar scene in the movie Cocktail. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Which is so specific. <laughs> but I was like, we have to do this. Um, but we we shot McManus where we, we kind of first hit it off, which was fun. We tried to do a lot of that stuff. Um, so at some point you 
you guys started making Broad City as a web series. When you did that, was the goal to have it become a TV show? What, how were you, how did you think about it when you started making the no, show? No, not way? at all. I mean, again, like totally outside the, I, I just didn't, neither of us thought that like the, like the, what happened with Broad City was ever even a possible, like it wasn't even a thought. I think our, our, our dreams at that point were like a little limited in the comedy world, in the entertainment world, um, because we couldn't get on house teams at the theater. Like it, we were auditioning. I couldn't land anything. It was just like, really, um, I was like, what am I doing? And and we, (laughs) we performed on this improv team that was called secret promise circle, which is such a terrible name, but for a, about two years uh, with them. Yeah, we met in 20, 2007 and we started doing the web series in 2009. And so we, we just were friends and performed on this team for two years together and took classes and went to shows every night. Alana's a stand-up. I tried to do sketch stuff. And then we sort of decided we can't get on these teams. Like no, Like no one is sort of recognizing this brilliance <laughs> that we see in each other. So you know what? We're going to fucking make our own thing. Yeah, we we just had so much fun making it. It was such a hustle. You know, we were at this point, we ended up working at the same day job at this place, Life Booker, which was sort of like a Groupon-esque kind of company. And we ended up using that company as the the jumping off point for where Alana works on the, on the, on Broad deals, City, deals, the show. Deals, 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 deals. And Lucia in yellow, who was an executive producer and our main director on Broad City and wrote on the show, worked there too as a copywriter. <laughs> it was like very, like we worked during the day, Alana and I wrote at night, we would shoot them on the weekends. And at a certain point, it was, it, it was just the first thing that I think for both of us, we were like, okay, we're getting like really positive feedback from our community. We're able to send our parents like that prove we're actually doing something in New York (laughs) that is comedy based. And it just felt, it just felt right. Like I think when you're, you're making things, you're making art, you're making work, you make so much that is just sort of spinning your wheels and figuring out like what, what you like, what kind of looks good or feels right. And this was, it just was clicking. It just felt, it was so fun and we just loved it. And it felt like it had legs. And, but, but even then our, our, again, I said like the way we were dreaming was like, maybe someone will see it and let us like write on their show. Like we never thought that we could, that it would be us because I think also women, we were sort of ingrained to not think that way. We're also not the traditional Hollywood women. Like we're not women that are just going to get plucked to like star at a show. We're just, we don't look that way. And so it, that, that was not where we were, we were thinking. And then uh, in season two, at the end of season two of the web series, our manager at the time, Sam Safer was like, you guys, let's like try and pitch it as a show. And it's sort of started spinning our wheels in that bigger way. Maybe we could do this because we had just gotten this manager, which was huge to get like any sort of representation. And so we started to think that way and started to think, we started to think about ending the web series. And we had written this finale that was going to be a little bit bigger than the rest. And we were going to put some money that we'd saved into it. We, our friend TJ Misney wanted, uh, we, we asked him to direct and he was down. He wanted to shoot. I think we shot on a, on an Alexa, which was like really a big deal. We usually shot on like a Canon SLR, like the, like a very basic still yeah. camera. It was a big deal. And we, there, we put a couple thousand dollars into it and it was a more of a production. And, um, 
we we decided to ask Amy Poehler if she would be in it, which was just nuts. Like she owned UCB. It's like where we started. And through a couple connections at UCB, we were able to ask her through our old teacher. And she had seen the web episodes and loved them <laughs> and said, yes. And that, that day, like she emailed us, yes. And I remember that was May 21st, 2011. <laughs> And, or maybe 20, yeah, 2011. And I will, I, it's my dad's birthday. I remember getting the email. It was one of the best. It was maybe the most validating I, I've ever felt because it was someone who, whose work I admired and respected so much. And they, in doing ours, validated what we've been trying to do and validated that we were, that we were good. Coming up on the 10th anniversary of that email. Yeah, this has been a long, <laughs> this has been a long time. You're right. We're coming on the time. I got to send out an email, an anniversary I think card. You, I think you should email uh, Amy that day. No, it's crazy though. Alana and I have been doing, I mean, we started doing in 20, we started working together in comedy in 2007. Alana was like 18. <laughs> <laughs> and Amy Poehler was really a big driving force in, in getting the show to Comedy Central and all that, right? She was, uh, you know. Yeah. So, so uh, as I said before, our manager was like, let's go pitch this. And so we had that in our mind. And then Amy did the, the episode. And then we asked her to, to executive produce the show. Wait, I might be confusing this because that was the email, I think. Oh, okay. It's the, the email, email where, where she, she said yes to, to that. being a producer. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was that. But it was all very close to one another. It was like three weeks apart. But we asked her if she would ever want to executive produce the show, which we were like, what are we doing? This is nuts. <laughs> like, I don't know anybody that that works in this. I didn't grow up knowing anyone that does this, you know, it's like just so out there. And then she said, yes. And then she was like, let's have a breakfast meeting. And we were like, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, we will have a breakfast meeting. That's a normal you, thing Amy to do, Poehler. right? Uh-huh. Yeah. That is normal. Alana and I had to meet like an hour before, like around the corner to like to calm, calm ourselves. Because yeah. <laughs> I mean, so what are we doing? Yeah. And so then we, we worked with her and we made this real with our friend Kelly Hudson, who's an editor, and she edited this reel together of all the web episodes. And then we went out to LA, which we were planning on doing, just us, but now we were with Amy. And we originally sold it to FX and we developed it there for a year. And then they passed. That must have been tough. Yeah, it was so it was so tough. And they passed in in I've said this before, I don't care, but because it's <laughs> in quotes. I mean, this is what we heard. They passed because it was too girly. And then I'm so happy they passed though, because Comedy Central was could not have been the, a more perfect place for this show. Kent Alterman was always such a champion from the beginning. He tried to buy it the first time and we went with FX and I couldn't believe he bought it the second time. <laughs> he truly was was incredible. Him and Brooke Posh like fought for the show at every at every step. So you've had so many incredible cameos on the on the show. Um, is there any one that stands out to you as sort of like, I can't believe we got this person and then got them to do what they did on the show? I mean, there's a lot. I mean, Hillary Clinton, I, I say I say to Hillary Rodham Clinton, I pegged. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's quite a moment. Thank you, Ilana. Thank you for all of your help. You know of me? Well, you're wearing a name tag. Hello. Proud demo. Crack. College. Aquarius. I pegged. Secretary. Clinton. Madam. President. She came. I can't afford to volunteer her full time, but I still want to get the word out. So I vow to tweet once a week, vote for Hillary, 
Yas, yas, yas. That would be great. Did she have any idea what you were talking about? I'm sorry. Sometimes I forget that that happened. <laughs> and it's just so, it's just so unreal that I, uh, I mean, she was just la- we are being complete idiots in that scene and, and she, we're supposed to be and she's just laughing at us and she's supposed to be she that was that was just it was so special for our crew and everyone involved amy came in for that and i remember we did like a big hands in for before we shot that because it just it it felt like it felt one we we really believed in her as a candidate and two it, it felt like oh wow this is making this sh- this show is a real show if if she's on this show if this she's is doing, a real, you know it must be real it, it has like it might be important in some way but also we're flipping out i mean we're having her do like the most ridiculous things <laughs> like what and she had fun it was really fun to see she's really lovely and it was so fun to, she's just laughing on set with us the whole time it's just really a great day and then there are so many comedy heroes that we had that I couldn't, I mean, Janine Garofalo, Amy Sedaris, Rachel Dratch. Oh, Amy Sedaris um, is so funny on Broad City. Amy Sedaris, I can't, the, the scene where she's showing you guys the apartment just kills me every time. Well, what do you think? It's a hallway. <laughs> it is a beautiful railroad style apartment in your budget. Well, where's the bathroom? Where isn't the bathroom? Jeez, wear a catheter, go in the corner. You can fit a king size bed in here. Yeah, if you fold it up like a taco. God, why am I so turned on right now? Ew, Pam, this place is horrible. Let's just move on. Look, don't bully me, all right? I can't take it. I was cyber bullied within an inch of my life last night. I make dolls out of human hair. Who's thirsty? She's just truly brilliant. She makes such incredible choices down to the wardrobe. Like she brings a lot of stuff that she thinks the ca- the character would love. Yeah. I mean, we, we <laughs> drove around in this teeny car with her and I don't think she has a license. And it was so fun. I mean, we <laughs> shot in the car driving. She's driving, which is hilarious. She doesn't have a license. And she's, I mean, she's the sweetest too. And just brilliant. Fred Armisen, Kelly Ripa being that heightened version of her was. Yeah. I, I, I did want to ask you about Kelly Ripa because that episode, is just insane and that you, that you got <laughs> so, her to okay, do that. So this is a, a back story of this. So we shot the pilot, you know, in 2012. And originally my neighbor, Jeremy, was played by Mark Consuelos, who we adored and loved. And then he got he got offered a, a series regular role and did it on another show and couldn't come back. And then we we ended up finding Steven Schneider, who was perfect for Jeremy. And so it all like lands the right the way it's supposed to land. But but when we reached out to Kelly, she knew the show because Mark had done it. And and they were so funny. Mark was so mad that Kelly was gonna get to do the show again. <laughs> and so she did it. And I think, you know, she she's so funny, obviously, on on her on her show. And she's been been acting forever, but like we kind of know her now as this talk show host forever. And it was, I think it was like a breath of fresh air for her to get to be like a harder comedy version of herself. Cause she's, she's mostly done. She mostly did soaps and like network comedy. And this was just different. And it was like a fucked up version of her where she like let loose. And she was (laughs) so fun. She is so funny. You know, Kelly, I gotta say your apartment is beautiful. 
Oh, thanks. It's rent controlled. I only pay 600 bucks a month. Really? Of course not, Frank. I love pranks. Oh, oh my oh. God. I can't believe we finished oh. a whole bottle already. Oh, that's okay. I've been meaning to crack open a special batch. <laughs> Whoa, what is that? Moonshine. And then we were so lucky we got to have Mark on again in, in the end. Yeah. So that was like a real full circle, the whole Consuelos family over there. But yeah, she was, that was, I mean, that was like a full day shooting with her, I think, which was just, just crazy. Also, I have to say, I didn't get to act with her. She doesn't say a line, but Whoopi Goldberg came on our show to dance in a fantasy sequence in which Nicole Alana's coworker who hates her guts has a fantasy sequence from Sister Act 2 <laughs> once Alana gets fired and Whoopi agreed to come on Fantastic. for that minute of silent dancing that day was i mean that was i could not believe she did that but it it made the scene like just, she yeah. came in and she yeah, <laughs> yeah she came in and she she was like of course i'm gonna do this show i, I couldn't, I couldn't believe it. it was absolute i still i'm like yeah but i could go on i could go on and on about the guests we've had i, I mean rupaul what the fuck practically a regular for a season yeah rupaul i mean Susie Essman and Bob Balaban as Alana's parents. Perfect casting. They're so fun. I mean, Tony Danza and Perry Gilpin as my parents separately. It, it just, that was such a nod to like 90, like the TV I grew up with. Like I grew up watching the two of them. It, I just feel very lucky. And I I'm, I'm sort of feel like, I don't know if I'm going to get get a gig like that again. Like your first love. <laughs> the other thing I wanted to ask you about is uh, the the backstory behind Val, which I know is, is, uh, is I've always been very curious about, um, about where that came from. And, and I know yeah, there's some truth there's, behind okay, it. Okay. So uh, but... in college, I, I don't drink as much as I used to. I don't smoke as much as I used to either. I, there's been like a, a heavy decline for me almost from high school. I really went hard in high school and college. I feel that way too. I think high school might've been my, my peak as well. I just like really went for it. And then college, I drank more, I think, than, I mean, than in high school, but I, I don't drink as much or I don't drink and I don't get blackout drunk anymore. Thank, I'm very happy about that. But in college, <laughs> I just, I think it was like, I'm broke. You're just drinking like whatever's there. I was drinking like a lot of Southern comfort, a lot of like 40s, Natty Light, which is like a big Baltimore beer. <laughs> I went to school in Baltimore. I know Natty Light. There were nights where I would get blackout drunk and my friend Mike, uh, my friend Michael, he goes by Michael now, Michael Chancho, and I would <laughs> just like go hard and I would black out and it would be, he would call me Val because I would be, I was just way more fun as Val. I never sang <laughs> Judy Garland in a speakeasy type bar, but I was just this different version of myself that was more fun. And uh, when when we when I was we would be sort of starting the night, I'd be like, I wonder if Val's gonna come out tonight. Well, hello there, baby doll, baby doll. Of course, I have been missing out on this for years. You always worried about missing out on life. You never bother to actually live. Uh, Doy. Eight ball corner pocket. Oh, yeah. Jeez. Oh, great shot. Oh, 
Johnny, you bad. I forgot you were the best kisser in town. Except for my main squeeze. I'm your main squeeze? Yeah. You're my favorite little Jewie this side of St. Louis. <laughs> Whoa. Oh my God, dude. Ooh. What is this? The diamond. I love diamonds. And then in the writer's room, we always talked about this. You know, you Broad City especially, we're pitching all, almost all seedlings of things that have actually happened to us in the room. And that kept coming up. And then we finally were able to put it in and yeah, sort of made the vow bar and, and then tried to plant in, uh, there's like a little Easter egg of Val a little bit later. And there's Easter egg of Val before we see Val, right? Sorry, sorry. We shot it. We shot it later in the season, the first episode of the season in the subway. I love that. Cause that's something that you would totally miss the first time around. And then rewatching the show, you you pick up. We on try to do a lot of that if we could. I have now rewatched the entire series. This is a little bit embarrassing, but with my wife twice during the uh, during the lockdown. So wow, I'm honored. I feel honored. It's just it's so funny and it's so comforting in this in this time. So well, thank you for <laughs> saying that. Yeah, it's I I think Alana watched a couple episodes, but I I went on a little hole where I was like. I, I was randomly seeing some clips because, well, I follow the Broad City Instagram, obviously, and, and they post clips a lot. And I don't really watch myself on that often, but I, I started watching a couple and it, I mean, just for me, it's very comforting and, and brings me back to like, that was a very joyous time. And so, yeah, I mean, that was always the intention to kind of make you feel like you're kind of with us in the friendship, like running around New York City in the in that in that period of your life. The show you you decided to end it after five seasons. Um and it there's the last the last few episodes especially just get so emotional and in a way that's kind of unexpected and, the, and there's sort of a deepening of your characters in that last season. Um did it kind of were there parallels for you in in ending the the way the show ends and the way that you deal with the friendship and this kind of decision to, you know, leave New York and and you know stop working on with Alana on at least on a, you know, day-to-day basis. Um how did you kind of think about that and in, in ending the show? It was a very meta experience ending the show for sure. I think the growth too was 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 really quite meta. The same what exactly what I was saying where like the seeds of a lot of the the storylines in the show are based on us usually from from farther back from college or you know we're always sort of drawing a lot from like early 20s but all of a sudden it got to a point in the fourth and fifth seasons where we decided not decided but like I think we were bringing more into the room that was happening currently like I had dated a woman for the first time and I, I it was really important to me to bring that into the show because I so much of the core of Abby on the show is me. And that just felt like a important thing for me to express. But I also felt it was a it was a cool thing to to put out there. Someone sort of a little bit later than usual coming into their sexuality. And I wanted to do it the same way that it happened for me, where it was like, it was sort of, Alana is my best friend. So like Alana was such a, a, a conduit into my queerness in the way that Alana is a kind of, you know, so it was like, it's just important to show how friends can be that for each other. And so, you know, and it was really important. Alana really wanted to show the mental illness and um, the sad lamp episode and how, you know, we, we shot in the winter for the first time and seasonal depression. And there's just stuff that we really wanted to talk about 
not that we weren't before, but just a little bit more intentionally and stuff that was going on with us currently. And the election was happening. And it was like, we're going to talk about this and how that's affecting all of us. And yes, we heightened it into like, Alana can't come because of him, but we heightened it. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, and it's so the growth of the characters in four and five were us sort of Alana and I and Paul W. Downs and Lucia and Yellow, who were like the core um, writers on it. Like we all just really wanted it to shift, felt like it needed to shift while they're still on these like crazy adventures. They're growing at the, at the same time and changing because we all were. And yeah, I mean, Alana and I were always kind of doing our own projects at the time. And it was less about like the need to do other projects and more about like, we wanted the wanted to end it when it, we, when we felt like it was still great, where we could still do 10 episodes a season that we felt like these are all awesome. We think, you know, I don't know what everyone else thinks, but <laughs> these, all of these crack us up. They all like, they all have the twists and turns. They're all as condensed and, and fleshed out as possible comedically. And then we really wanted to start to have these more real undercurrents that were uh, emotional, as you said, like just what happens when things start to happen with friends and you start to, to not grow apart in all the ways, but grow apart in just like geography or like, Oh, you know, I actually want to pursue this thing. So I I can't hang out with you all the time. Like what happens? And it's funny because we, we initially wrote the season that my character, Abby gets a residency in Boulder spoiler alert for anyone that hasn't watched the show. That's a listen this far. (laughs) And Abby was going to move and we were going to do this FaceTime at the end that we have now. And it was going to be like in my FaceTime it was, you, I was going to see Alana behind me and Alana was going to move and going to take, going to study, um, going to study to become a therapist in Boulder. And then Alana, oh my God, I'm getting chills. Alana, you know, we're writing and she, she came uh, to, or someone had suggested it. And she came to me and she was like, I think Alana needs to stay in New York. And then I was like, I I think so too. You're right. And it was like, it's interesting because I I'm in Los Angeles right now and I do split my time in, in the normal world, normal times between New York and LA, but I I've been here for most, for all of COVID. And I came out here sort of when I got this gig on disenchantment, because I really wanted the opportunity to work with Matt um, in person, Matt Groening, who, you know, the creator of The Simpsons. And I was like, I'm going to come out here and I'm going to, you know, maybe try and be by coastal and I'll get work out here. But it was really meta because Alana's in New York and it was like, I am leaving New York. And that last, I mean, we intentionally made sure that that last on the sidewalk where we're saying goodbye in New York, where, where Abby's in New York with Alana, it, it ends with me in Boulder. But the last thing we shot in New York with the two of them is the last time they're together in the show. And I mean, it, that's a mix between real and, and that gets very real. I mean, that scene yes. and the scene on the yeah. bridge too. Um, it's just, it's, it's so intense and it's, it, you can tell that it's, it's real. We didn't do that that much throughout the show. A couple of times it gets a little more emotional, you know, when, when Abby starts sleeping with, with Trey behind Alana's back, there's some, there's some tensions, but this was, we felt that we'd earned, you'd been with, you've been with them for so much. And we, we felt like you, 
you got to know this relationship so much that that we earned that for them this those two goodbyes because there was kind of a couple moments and and we needed to, we felt like we needed them as well the whole show i mean we most of our crew was on from the beginning which is pretty rare you know that was like a a, a family for sure that made that show with us so I, I do have a friend who who loved the show so much that i think she waited a year to watch <laughs> the finale uh episode because <laughs> she didn't want it to end it does feel like you're kind of setting up the st louis apocalypse movie at the end though uh you know unintentional but is that something that uh that's gonna happen or i, I don't i don't think there's a world where where we don't do something together again we're, we're producing stuff and we've written stuff together I love, to, I love to hear that yeah i don't know i think it'd be really hard to not act with alana again coming up abby and i talk about two of my other favorite things besides broad city Curb Your Enthusiasm, and The Band Fish. Stick around. We'll be right back. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. If you're enjoying this episode, please hit subscribe. Along with Abby Jacobson, we have had a ton of Upright Citizens Brigade alums on this podcast, including Nick Kroll, Jason Manzukis, Ben Schwartz, and co-founder Matt Walsh. By subscribing to The Last Laugh, you can listen to those episodes and everything else from our free archive, and you'll be the first to hear new episodes when they drop every Tuesday. And while you're at it, please leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Let us know how much you love this show and who you want to hear next. Now, back to Abby Jacobson. So because this is the episode that's uh, coming out on 420, um, I do have to bring up, we have a, a shared a shared love of, uh, of a little band called Fish that uh, I, speaking of high school, um, I, I've been to a lot of Fish shows in my day. I know you have too. And you, I was so, you know, thrilled to see it see them show up throughout the show and really, uh, you know, embrace that side of yourself. So was that, uh, was that something that you were excited to kind of bring, uh, into the, yeah, I mean, it was so, we really tried to pull these specifics from ourselves that just felt kind of true, but also like contrasting with the friendship and my love of fish, you know, I, I, it's such a nostalgic band for me. I love them, but I don't, I don't really listen to a lot of fish these days and haven't for a little while. And it's, I think they'd be okay with me saying, but I, I like, I like my love for them is still so, you know, it's pure Uh, because it was, it's such a thing that me and my friends in high school did. It was like such a part of our lives. And from there you kind of branch out to a lot of other bands, you know, cause they were on a hiatus. Mm-hmm. while I was 
in my prime there in high school, college. We're about the same age. So yeah, it was the same for me. So when they came back, I was in, exactly. yeah, in college. And it really and started with my brother. My brother is such a fan and had followed them. It's been to so many, I've only, I've probably been to like 16 shows, uh, which is not a lot if you're a real fish fan. Yeah, I think I'm more in like the 30 range. Yeah. No, <laughs> I, I missed, I've been to a, a lot of um, Trey shows when he, but uh this is mostly in, in high school and college. And I, so it stems from also my brother, but I was lucky enough. I went to a fish show a couple years ago in Philly and like through the band, this is, can you believe it? <laughs> I, I can't. Did you go backstage or anything or? Yeah. I, I was able to bring a couple of my friends from high school who I don't know. They like could not believe what was happening. And it was because, you know, we had, uh, we'd used some footage and we just mentioned, you know, just mentioned the sh- my love of them as a character. And I, I think Mike Gordon loved the show. And <laughs> we, be- we like started we, we followed each other on Instagram. We started talking and then he, he set it up. So we came and we had dinner with Mike and watched the band and came backstage oh and met God. everybody. <laughs> and then like Trey was like, love the show too. I could- Were you freaking out? <laughs> <laughs> Truly could not believe oh it. Oh my God. And I'm sitting there. I brought, I brought three of my friends and two of them were like two of them, Chris and Cole played in, in like a band in high school. And they were obs- like Chris, who we call Archer has red hair. He was a lead guitar. He was like obsessed with Trey. Cole was pianist. It was just so special to get to do that. And I got pictures uh, with everybody except Fishman. Cause he wasn't, he wasn't interested. <laughs> <laughs> just one other, uh, post Broad City role that I wanted to touch on uh, before we go is uh, you got to be on one of the most recent episodes of Curb Your Enthusiasm, which I imagine was a <laughs> was a dream come true because I know you, you've cited. I love that I'm cracking up at these opportunities because they're so crazy. Go ahead. Sorry. I, I know you've cited uh, Larry David and, and Seinfeld as a, as a big inspiration. Um, so just, uh, you know, what was two questions, I guess, what was it like to, to be on that show, work with Larry David and how jealous was Alana? Alana did not vocalize any jealousy. <laughs> you know, I think it would have been tricky for Alana to be on that show because I'm a little bit disconnected from Susie, but like they really have a vibe, mother, daughter, but maybe that's just, but actually Susie Essman is the one that put me in, put my name in the hat for that yeah, role. Yeah, I was wondering because, yeah, you know her from- she, she was on set and she was like, you know, she's like, you know, Ab, there's this role. You gotta, you gotta get, like, I think you'd be perfect for it. And um, so she recommended me to Larry and uh, and the casting director, which I'm like, thank you forever. Um, that was, that experience was top five. Like that was... You're in, you have a lot of scenes on the, you have a lot of scenes on the episode. Like they have a lot of guest stars that maybe do like one scene, two scenes. You're like, you're in the whole episode. I could not believe what was happening. Talk about like my confidence, uh, roller coaster that I've been kind of hitting on. I, that was a moment where, you know, they, there's only outlines, uh, on curb. So you're, you just, you know, by the end, you know what you have to hit, you know, where you have to get to at the scene, at the end of the scene to like, for them to like, tie it all together. And that was 
one of the first times outside Broad City where I was like, wait, I think I can do this. <laughs> like, I think I'm like, I felt so confident because I mean, I was going head to, is it head to head or toe to toe? <laughs> yeah, both. I think I was both. I was like, it was like me and Larry in a couple scenes fighting, which is a dream. Like we were like fighting and like, I, it was just it was a couple of days of it. And the, like, I'm the, I'm drip my sweat trips in his suit. There's just like these great moments where I just felt I left feeling, okay, I think that I've like worked. I don't know if, I, if that was like, if I technically have, I think I have, I think that was like, you know what? I think I've done my 10,000 hours and I'm good at this. Cause that's the person I've always looked to as being like the like improv, this kind of a humor, like the Jewish humor where I'm like, I have it, even though I know Alana still doesn't believe I'm fucking Jewish, <laughs> but like I am fully Jewish. And I just was like, I felt like I could go, I could spar. And, it, and then I watched it and I couldn't believe how, I, how much they kept in. Yeah. It was, yeah. I mean, I could, I could talk about that one forever. Your car is the one that's being towed. How are you going to drive me home? I'll drive you home in, in my car. This is my car. This is my, you just gave me this car. Yes, I gave it to you with very good intentions until you wrecked my car. You gave me the car, so it's my car. Are you serious? What? You just give away cars and take them back? Oprah doesn't just give out cars and then take them back. Does that seem fair to you? I gave you a car, you hit my new car, and now I don't have a car. That seems fair. I I don't know what is fair. What's fair is for things to go back to the way way they were 15 minutes ago. Well, I didn't have a car 15 minutes ago, and now I do. Well, I would love to give you a ride home. I would love to give you a ride home. Well, how are you going to do that without a car, Larry? <sighs> Please take me home. Okay. Thank you. Should I retire now? Yeah, I think you can. Really? <laughs> right, I shouldn't retire now. I'm about to do that. Yeah. <laughs> Well, you do have a, a league of their own uh, still on the horizon, which I'm. Uh, I don't know what's what's the status of that because I think it did it get uh, a little delayed or is it is it happening or what's uh, what's what's going on? It got a little push because of COVID. We are finishing up writing right now, so we've been doing a Zoom room for the past four and a half months, and we're set to start shooting in June. It's so exciting. It's not like listen, there there are major nods to the film. The spirit of the film is in the show, but none of the same characters. Characters. It's really uh, a different take. And it's we're, we're looking at all the women, all different types of women that were trying to play baseball in the 40s. So yes, there's going to be the All-American Girls League. There's going to be the Peaches, uh, which my character will be involved in. But it's also about, you know, Black women weren't even allowed to try out for this league. And so the show sort of ping-pongs between what it's like when a door opens for a lot of mostly white women and, and play, to play at this time, and what happens when that door does not open. So the the show also follows, it's sort of a two-hander between my character and this character, Max, a Black woman who's played by Shantae Adams, who is just fucking brilliant. And her character is is based uh, on a number of women who ended up playing in the Negro Leagues with men, which there was a Tony, there was a Broadway show based on one of these women, Tony Stone, just an incredible person who had this trajectory is sort of unreal and and max shante's character it's sort of just like it ping pongs between these two worlds when one door's open and one door's not and how how they both figured out how to how to live this dream of playing baseball and it's also a, about 
queerness in a huge way, which the movie is in some ways this this queer film, but no one was was gay on it at all. I mean, Rosie's in it, but she's not gay in it. And believe it or not, <laughs> a lot of the women that played baseball were queer. And so we're, we're trying to tell a lot of a lot of different stories. It's really exciting. There's a lot of baseball. There's a lot of comedy, but it's 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 definitely leaning more into like the dramedy. I don't like that word, but it's more of a dramedy. There's a it's like an hour long show, and it's yeah, and it's it's unfortunately so much of the shit that that the the this ensemble of characters deal with racism racism homophobia sexism all that shit is so relevant right now that we're writing these storylines that happened in 1943 and they're happening they're still happening um but yeah, I, I'm really excited. There's, it, it's a really dense, juicy story, and I, I think people, people that love the movie, I think you're gonna love it. You still have the movie. The movie's gonna be <laughs> right over here for you to enjoy. We're not trying to ruin the movie. We're just trying to explore a little bit more about what was really going on with these women and, awesome. and dive a little bit deeper. Yeah, I'm looking forward yeah. to that one. Um, so if you have a couple more minutes, uh, this podcast is called The Last Laugh, and we like to end with the first laugh, which is a comedian or piece of comedy that is the first thing that, that really made you laugh uh, growing up when you were a kid. When you think back, what is what's sort of like one of the earliest pieces of comedy that you really loved? Yeah, I mean, the first thing I go to is uh, as a kid, I was really obsessed. I was obviously obsessed with SNL, the current SNL, but was really, really obsessed with the, the original cast. And specifically Gilda Radner. And I, Comedy Central used to air Gilda Live, which was her Broadway show. Paul Schaefer is playing the piano, like is the musical guy on the show. I think it might've been directed by Mike Nichols, which I just recently found out and correct me if I'm wrong, but Gilda Live, I would watch that. I mean, it, it would play a lot. I'd watch it anytime it was on, you know, I'm old enough where like we're the same age. You, you like couldn't just watch what you wanted yeah, to watch. Yeah. It was like, <laughs> what's on? And I ate that up. She, I think it was just the the realism behind the characters. Like they felt so real, but so funny. Yeah, it would be Gilda Live. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for doing this. Um, I'm just such a big fan of yours and of Broad City, obviously, as I, as I made clear. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and congrats on the new movie and a league of their own and and everything. So um, yeah. Well, thank you so much, Matt. Thank you for having me. I really um, this has been lovely, and it was so lovely to see you again. Yes. Um, but yeah, thanks so much for having me on. Just a huge. Thank you to Abby Jacobson for being my guest on today's show. The Mitchells vs. the Machines will be streaming on Netflix starting Friday, April 30th. And I, of course, highly recommend binging or perhaps re-binging Broad City, which is on Hulu. If you want to support The Last Laugh, please help us out by leaving a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. We want as many people to hear this show as possible, and you can help by spreading the word and sharing it with your friends. You can find me on Twitter at Matt Wilstein and at thedailybeast.com. And if you're not already, please follow at Last Laugh Pod on Instagram, where you can see photos and videos from all of our episodes. The Last Laugh is distributed by Acast for The Daily Beast, with audio production by Jesse Cannon. Our theme music is by Claude, who you can find on Instagram at claude.mp3. 
You can find this show every week on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. And as always, you can find show notes and highlights from each episode on thedailybeast.com. See you next week. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.